Well, I have a follow-up to an earlier podcast conversation that we had. Oh, great. So is that how we want to start? <laughs> that it, this is how we are starting. Oh, we so it, started. are we officially started? We've started. Welcome, podcast listeners from around the world. <laughs> All seven of you. For those of you who may not remember... Um, I told a story a couple weeks ago about how somebody snuck into my backyard and stole a broken water heater and dishwasher that I had out there that I was attempting to sell for parts. Um, He did not steal um, anything of value or great consequence to us. We had stuff out there he could have taken that would have been more valuable. And for this reason, I was really conflicted about whether or not to turn this person into the police and ultimately decided to do so. Uh, Just because I know there may be others in our neighborhood who were dealing with this issue. And um, yeah, I did it to try to look out for them. And then uh, I heard back from a detective uh, this past week and they knew who the guy was. And um, yeah, so we had a whole conversation about that. So the detective actually asked me if I was willing to come in and identify the guy in a lineup. Well, I guess translated, that means your friend Jeff, your neighbor Jeff, will he come in and identify? Yes. Well, I don't, I think, I think the detective was not clear on where, on who saw what and where yeah. the information okay. came from when, gotcha. when we were having the conversation. But be that as it may, um, in the aftermath of our conversation on compassion, which has been an ongoing conversation. Right. And a concern to you. Yes. It's weighed on you. Yeah. It has, yes. And me too. <laughs> I had... Right. I had wondered what if reporting to the police was the appropriate action under the circumstances, knowing this is probably a guy who's really struggling and knowing that we were not detrimentally affected or harmed by his actions. Yeah, he right? didn't take your good ladder or... Right. So yeah. trying not to live in fear, anxiety, anger, any of those things. Right. Um, so anyway, so I actually just laid it out, laid my thoughts out for the detective. And I said, look, you know, I, if somebody, you know, I recognize, look, I also have to look out for the neighborhood. It's never just me. If I'm only thinking about my concerns, that's one thing. But there are potentially people in our neighborhood who have been harmed in ways that we haven't by this person's actions. So I said, I have this information. I'm willing to give it to you if it helps in a case where somebody has been harmed. But we do not feel like we have been harmed or wronged. We do not want those things back. We, if he is able to, you know, he didn't take things of value from us that he could have taken that were out in the open, like a ladder, an expensive ladder that we have. And so we do not feel like there was malice. We think probably he just saw it and it was an inappropriate behavior, but I do not want to participate in the prosecution of this guy and I'm happy for him to be able to even profit off of our dishwasher and water heater if he was able to repair them and sell them. Or maybe he even repaired them and used them in his own home. I have no clue. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, so I just laid it out and said, look, this is kind of how I'm feeling about this. I don't, you never know what a person's circumstances are. And since it was kind of a victimless crime, you know, who knows what his background is. I don't want the hammer getting dropped on somebody. So the detective was really cool about it. And he just said, I totally understand. That makes a lot of sense to me. 
And he said, we would appreciate having, you know, this is somebody who's been on our radar because he and another detective apparently have our area. And this has been a common problem. And so he asked for the license plate number and the picture, which I sent him. But he said he would, you know, basically leave us out and, and not include our our incident in the you know, best case in the scenario. proceedings going forward. Best case scenario, right? Yeah, I think we did our responsible thing for the community, and mm-hmm. we also tried to look out for somebody who's probably probably having a rough go of it in life. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. So anyway, cool. since we were able to circle back on that, I thought great hey, follow may up. as well. Yep. I know that the detective had called you and you had said, Boy, I've really gotta call him back. I don't want to, but I gotta call him back. Yeah, it took me a couple of days thing. to call him back. I had to think about what to do. Yep. Excellent. Well, that's great great to not shy away from doing something hard just because you happen to be conflicted. Yep. So cool. So you are also talking about compassion and the message we're gonna talk about today in this podcast, right? Yes. Did we introduce ourselves? We did not. You're Scott. I'm Scott McBean. And I'm Teresa. And this is a podcast from North Star Community. We've been doing these message recaps in dialogue, and we've gotten some good feedback, and we've gotten no negative feedback. So, Which is shocking, so that's great. Right, and we're enjoying doing it, so we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it's fun. I like yep. it. So you, um, in last weekend's message, you were also talking about compassion, and in particular, um, because you did this message in December, because we really are respectful and honoring of the 12-step process, um, I can remember you um, talking about how the 12th step is both an ending but a continuation of a journey. And I also remember that you talked about um, the fact that we're rapidly approaching the new year and we often uh, talk about the promise of new beginnings, but rarely do we talk about focusing on compassionate endings. Yeah. And that was just an intriguing concept. So... Uh, Tell us more about what you were thinking about that. Well, I was thinking about how you and I had had a follow-up conversation to the message that I had given uh, a couple weeks ago, which we had recapped, which was on compassion and how difficult compassion is supposed to be. So there was the, the passage that we read where Jesus says, basically, if you're compassionate to those who are compassionate to you, or if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? And essentially he's saying, that's not virtuous. Right. If you love Everybody those, does Everybody that. likes people who like them. It's just sort of human nature. Now, that's not a bad thing either. It's perfectly normal and it's perfectly reasonable and rationable to... Rationable? Have, did I say rational? You did. Oh you said rationable. Gosh. That's what doing the podcast does to you. You say crazy things and you don't even know you said them. That's right. Uh, it's perfectly reasonable, rational, all of those things. But you have to understand that it's not virtuous to love those who love you. Right. Um, And that the modeling the certain way of seeing, modeling God's way of seeing, if if we can be so arrogant as to think that we know what that is, is to practice a more radical version of compassion, which is um, to show it without discrimination to those we love, to those we hate, to those who hate us. Um. 
And, you know, it, we're having difficult times as a society, as we keep saying over and over again, as everybody knows and everybody hears about it everywhere. And my response to that is largely uh, we need to remember radical compassion because that's certainly not the message we're getting. Anyway, I'm, I'm doing a recap from a couple of weeks ago. Well, but, yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. But, and the other thing I want to say about that is that I think that this message that you did this last weekend – the reason you went on that um, very short uh, rabbit trail about the message a couple of weekends ago is because that message spawned a series of conversations that you and I had over lunch that probably you're getting sick of having with me, but um, me continuing to wrestle with how do I apply to that message in a particular estranged relationship I have. Right. And I think, you know, it wasn't just you, right? I think that you had also said to me that there were people who you had conversations with following that message that were asking questions about, should they re-engage in relationship with people who've proven to be very dangerous people right. in their lives? Right. And it, it um, you know, that, that response scared me a little bit for, for these particular people, because I know what their particular circumstances are. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about something different, I guess, when I gave that message, you know, there's, there's a variety of types of relationships and circumstances in our lives. And, um, tends to be that when it comes to needing to show radical compassion, it's for people that it's for the people in relationships that aren't the ones that are really on our minds that much. You know, those are the ones that are really yeah. more relevant for that rather than the right. ones that really are. Uh, but be that as it may, I felt like I needed to circle back and have a follow-up conversation because we have a lot of people who've experienced trauma and abuse, and I certainly didn't want to be responsible for people taking that message and saying, well, I need to re-engage with somebody who is essentially abusing me. Right, right. Um, And so, yeah, so this was a counterpoint message. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I I appreciated the challenge in both those messages, but uh, what scripture passage did you pick last weekend? Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to follow up on the earlier part first, but you had said, you know, so we were unpacking this dynamic of whether or not compassion applied to your situation, you know, where you have an estranged estranged relationship. Yes, and I think about that every single day. So I think that I appreciated the fact that we would have a follow-up conversation on a topic like compassionate endings. Yeah. uh, Because... And, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I do think that a lot of times um, relationships that come to an end for us, it's I can only speak for myself, but I'm thinking of several of my friends who've been in similar situations, and I think they would agree with me that just because a relationship ends, it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it doesn't warrant a victory lap. Uh, it's not the same thing as in-stage codependent withdrawal where you just go, you know, uh, I'm done with you, really. Uh, yeah. Compassion and ending 
is often a grievous and painful one, necessary, and sometimes goes against the grain of everything. And I don't know, for me, it's like almost like a body thing. It's like a body memory. It goes against the grain of everything I naturally want to do. Yep. So I think if you're feeling like, ooh, well shed of that relationship, uh, oh, gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with those people anymore. This probably isn't the message for you because that's not what you're talking about either. No, we have different kinds of relationships. And I think, you know, one of the things that I said in the message was something like, um, we have relationships that must end because they compromise our ability to live out of our certain way of seeing. You know, that's the kind of relationship that you're talking about, the one that's very personal to your life where you're estranged, is like ultimately we have higher values than... Compassion is a extremely high value right. for a person of faith. And yet there's something even a little bit higher, and maybe not a lot, but just a little bit, which is our ability to live out of our certain way of seeing, our ability to reflect God's image. Well, what if we didn't even use the word like higher, but we said that um, discernment and wisdom means that sometimes we have to wrestle with more than one core value, right? Yeah. And um, decide in any particular situation which one um, demands the most of our attention. Yeah, I mean, if I could be so bold as an observer to your situation, I would say it was very clear to me that the path that we were on prior to you ending that relationship was um, certainly compromising your ability to live the abundant life. You were anxious beyond imagination, behaving and speaking irrationally. Oh, come on now. (laughs) you were not yourself and your ability to live out of your inspired way of seeing your ability to reflect God's image and even your ability to be compassionate was compromised by the cloud of the relationship in question. And so you're right. We don't have to put compassion and our ability to reflect God's image in competition with each other. But I would say when I was looking at your situation, it was quite clear that that compassion was not going to be the outcome of staying in that relationship and your ability to reflect God's image or um, reflecting God's image to the extent of your capacity was not an outcome uh, that we could really anticipate at that point based on the way that relationship was playing out. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I I do think that that when you're struggling with a relationship that is pro- that that all right let's just say is good let's just assume the relationship is going to need to end because that's sort of counter to everything God created us to be in terms of people of a tribe people who uh, lean into relationships and other people I think you raise a really good point in that. Um, your experience of me during that time, um, and in fact, I can remember you giving me feedback about this, uh, was much more um, on target than my understanding of myself. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, um, and so this is the part where 
I think community and accountability is really valuable. And if you are having to wrestle through a compassionate ending, my goodness, I pray for you that you have a community to help you sort it all out. Yeah. Which is what it required for me to sort through um, what to do, what what it would look like to end a relationship that I actually cared very deeply about. So, you know, that's um, that's sort of an interest. Not to make it all about me, but to say maybe this applies to some of you that. Um, we may need in situations like this outside voices sharing with us how our um, struggle is impacting all our other relationships, right? Yeah. So it's not just a compassionate ending isn't isn't as um, hyper focused as just you and this other relationship. But you also need to take into consideration all your other relationships. It, it reminds me of a family that's under duress because of a person with active substance use disorder. Yep. And how the family gets really hyper-focused on the, the SUD sufferer, sometimes to the detriment of other children or the marriage relationship and whatever. So... Outside feedback is really important in making decisions like this. Yeah, you're right. We do tend to get distracted by the crisis at hand. And if we don't look at it in context, you know, we can accidentally sacrifice a whole lot of stuff. You know, we could be able to say, like, let's say you stayed in that relationship. You would be able to say, perhaps, I'm showing compassion. But is it really compassion if it means sacrificing everything else in your life? Well, and I remember having to say this to someone one time, um, which, you know, is hard, but not as hard as having to live it yourself, I guess. But saying to somebody, you know, you are laying down your life for this relationship, and this particular person exhibits absolutely no interest in you, much less you're laying down your life, but it is to the detriment of these other people in your life who really want to have relationship with you, and you're not available for them in any way. Yeah. Because you're leaving it all at the doorstep of somebody who doesn't open the door when you come knocking. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. So to really drive that point home, I mean, um, it's so easy to get trapped into uh, either or thinking. Yeah. And to think that ending a relationship is, um, particularly with a family member, right, is the opposite of compassion. And what I was suggesting, I think, and who knows if I'm right or not, I think I am in this case, but um, I'll let other people decide that, um, that you can have a compassionate and graceful ending in pursuit of your higher goal right like if right. the if the compassionate graceful ending allows you to pursue your goal of reflecting god's image and being a compassionate loving presence in this world and your ability to do that grows as a result of stepping back stepping away from something else 
well, that's positive. Yeah. And so compassionate, graceful endings are sometimes done in service of a larger purpose. Yep. And I'm hoping that that frees us from some of our shame of just thinking ending is bad, ending is wrong. So often we we just get trapped in this ends are bad, ends are wrong, we shouldn't have broken relationships. And we stress relationships and we stress community, but we stress that knowing that, you know... That every everything has its limits. Yes. Can yeah. I tell you a story that re- might be related to that? Please do. So um, I have a friend who is, um, well, she does my nails. And I'm quite attached to her, and she's a lovely person. And um, she is an immigrant and um, grew up in a different country um, with a mother with a severe mental illness. And... Um, in a country where there was no mental health care. And um, so my friend um, was kept in a box in the backyard like an animal. Wow. Uh, for a lot of her life. And um, so I always ask about her mom because she wrestles with w- her brother is always wanting her to have phone conversations with her mom. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always the brother. It's always the brother. And uh, so sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's a very wise woman, my I friend. Bet. And uh, so I always, well, I don't know, every so often I'll say, Well, have you talked to your mother recently? So uh, today I was with her and. Um, and I asked her if she talked to her mother. And she said, as a matter of fact, I did talk to my mother. And she was a little better off mentally than she often is. And then, uh, you know, we sat there for a couple of seconds in silence. And then she goes, you know, I really feel bad for my mom sometimes. But my mom chose her life and made a lot of choices um, that she could have made different choices about. Uh, I think at one point relatives tried to convince her to give the children to them to raise. She refused, you know, So she said, my mom is living with the fruit of her choices. And I feel sorry that um, the taste of the fruit is so bitter. And she said, sometimes, and I thought this was beautiful, sometimes water leaks out of my eyes when I think about the choices she made. But I'm making different choices, and that means that I cannot maintain much contact with my mother. Right. And uh, 
You know, she didn't say I cried. You know, she said, you know, water leaks out of my eyes. I mean, right, like just, a poet. Like, 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 like straight like, out of the Psalms. I just like, I'm sitting here in sacred space and check out my nails. They really glitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it was just really a poignant conversation. And I thought, yes, she understands compassionate endings so that she can live a compassionate life. Yeah. And it was really powerful. Yeah. So I, um, so we also read a a difficult passage in the message from James, James three. Did you hear, by the way, before you read it, did you hear everybody go, oh, Saturday night when you read it? Happened on Sunday too. I think I, everybody felt. Uh, yeah. So so read away. Strangely convicted by it. Yeah. I mean it oof. All right, read away. What does it say? This is James three, seven to ten. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it just shouldn't be this way. Yeah, I love it. I get a little distracted by how in the world do you tame a fish. But all that aside, the closer is a a, a punch to the gut, isn't it? It is, and I I think um, it just shouldn't be this way. It's funny. It's not really much of a solution or uh, anything, is it? It's it's uh, it's a it's lament. So true. Yeah, it is yeah. a lament. But also, I think what really struck me is this idea that with it we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. And um, you know, it got me thinking about the fact that. Um, and I've been thinking about this for several reasons over the last few weeks, is that, you know, we don't really get to see God on this earth, do we? I mean, short of, I mean, short of some crazy miracle, you know, or having a vision in a, in a dream or something, I don't know, you know. But by and large, we don't really see God. But, you know, there's this idea that, that human beings are uh, made in God's likeness, and yeah. that there's some sense in which human beings physically uh, represent God. And so um, that means there's some sense in which the only way in which we physically see God on this earth is through other people. Yeah. And just just pause with that for a second. The only way we see God on this earth is by catch, catching a glimpse of his image in other people. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. And it reminded me of the passage from a couple of weeks ago. Because if that's true, then it's true of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably varying degrees to which it's true, but that's not really our point, is it? When you're thinking about compassion and difficult compassion, uh, you have severe mercy is what Jill Phillips calls it. Severe mercy. Um, when you're thinking about that, you 
sort of have to think about the fact that the people that's difficult to be compassionate to are still somehow bearing or reflecting God's image. Even if they're not maybe doing it particularly well at a point in time, there's something in there. And um, I think that's why it's so hard, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so challenging when sometimes you do have to bring something to a compassionate end because I personally um, am very attenuated to um, catching a glimpse of the image of God uh, in other people. That's always been sort of a thing for me. Um, and so, uh, it's heartbreaking for me to have to let even the smallest glimpse of that possibility go when I have to end a relationship. Yeah. And, um, another way to look at it would be, this is why the end needs to be compassionate. Um, so often an end is more about burning a bridge or blowing up a bridge or, you know, maybe you've just taken it on the nose for so long that the ending is your only catharsis, that the, that the ending is your only revenge, it's your only sense of justice, it's your only sense that you've gotten back at the person who's been putting it on your nose for days, months, years, a lifetime. Yeah, sort of like sometimes when you have two people in a lot of conflict come in and meet with you, and in particular, one of them has been very domineering, controlling, abusive, and then I have observed that sometimes the person for whom has been on the receiving end of that can get really quite sassy Mm -hmm. in the meeting, and I used to think, well, this isn't helpful but uh, and it, it isn't necessarily helpful, but it is, I think, sometimes natural that a person hasn't been able to give their own opinion or thought about anything, maybe for 30 years of marriage, and all of a sudden feels a little bit of safety. Sometimes it's just letting a pressure valve off. Uh, yes, yes, I do, I do think that happens. Um, do you and, think, too, sometimes we hang on to relationships too long because we haven't thought about how to do a compassionate ending? So sometimes we're just so emotional and freaked out that... I think there's lots of reasons yeah. that people stay in relationships too long. Um, and I think that, you know, because it's so common, that's why it's tempting to burn the bridge or to resort to passive-aggressive conversational tactics or whatever it is that makes you feel like, okay, you know, that's a way of sort of subtly feeling like you have some kind of voice, even if it's not a particularly good or useful one. Right. You know, it's like a sassy voice is a voice. But all that to say, the point is that, you know, regardless of, of how people have been abused or or been subjected to somebody else's whims or or fancies or what you know or all, all those things it's important that the ending be compassionate because even you know however bad the person you're trying to get away from 
maybe there's something in there that reflects God's image. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I wish, I kind of wish now that I had started with that rather than closed with that because, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want people to walk away from, from listening to this podcast thinking that, you know, the most important thing is finding sympathy for an abuser or somebody who's traumatized them or whatever. But really, you know, I want, I really want people to remember that there's a little bit of God, of God's image in everyone. And let's not overlook that. And let it slow your roll a little bit in terms of how you, how you close a relationship out. Just slow your roll. Yeah. Ask some questions. Look for some alternatives. Um, and uh, recalling the ending of James that said, you know, it just shouldn't be this way. Um, one of the things I try to remind myself of on a regular basis in my little quiet time is, um, there is a very powerful thing in knowing that you yourself bear the very image of God. Yep. And, uh, I have this little notebook where I keep things to remind myself in. And one of my pages says, don't make it hard for people. Don't make it, uh, let's see, how does it go? Don't make it hard for people to see God's image in you. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make that piece so covered over and so solid that somebody's got to really dig deep to see your God's image reflected in your life. Make it easy on people. And I think uh, there are a million ways we can make it easier yep. than we tend to make it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so all that to say, you know, bottom line, we're striving to be compassionate, and yet sometimes that means there's going to need to be an ending. Life is going to throw at us many different types of relationships. There's going to be relationships where it's easy to be compassionate, relationships where it's moderately easy to moderately difficult to be compassionate, and relationships that are so difficult that they can't continue because they compromise our ability to be compassionate or to be loving or to continue to pursue our certain way of seeing or to live in abundance. I mean, I don't particularly believe that God wants us to stay in relationships that are so oppressive that we have no life at all just to say that we did it. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, I don't see any reason to think that at all. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have any evidence to support that. No, even... Although we've got plenty of evidence of people doing it, but yeah. Yeah. So I think those are some of the factors to think about and to take into account. And when it comes to ending really big, really important relationships, rely on your community and rely on the wisdom of those around you and seek feedback and support and help. Uh, but don't think you have to to live your whole life um, with no quality of life at all just because compassion's important. There are other things that are important too. So we're recording this podcast on um, the day of uh, George Bush, the 41st president's funeral. And uh, some of the eulogies were just amazing. And <clears throat> I 
whatever you think about his politics, his relationship quotient was just huge. And um, I think that says something for all of us. Yeah. That this is something that he never got so busy being president that he for, he grew forgetful or disdainful of maintaining compassionate and loving relationships with people. Yeah, I would hope that would be true uh, for all of us, that we would be able to maintain an image of the higher priorities of life and to pursue those uh, sometime to the detriment of other things. Yeah. And I think the skill set that needs to be included in there is the capacity to know how to compassionately end a relationship that uh, is detrimental to living your abundant life. Yeah. Because you never know what else or who else you're sacrificing. Yes. Uh, by prioritizing something so harmful. And I'm not talking about an abundant life as in full of good cheer. I'm talking about an abundant life that's rich in service and care Yeah. Uh, for others. So, yeah, good message that you had there, Scott McBean. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Any, uh, any announcements we need to make? This will be going up next week, so we'd be looking out into the future a little bit. Well, remember, we've got our Christmas brunch on December 23rd at 930. And we've got the service project. By the time this is live, I think it'll be the coming Saturday. So roughly the, is it the 15th or 16th? Something 15th, like that. 15th. 15th. Yep. So 15th, 630 here. Help us uh, pack stockings for uh, the Healing Place and to write cards for all the people who participated in the 12-step correspondence course with the prison ministry. Yes. You know, uh, I forget, but we have so many men and women in the state of Virginia who've gone through our 12-step correspondence course. And thanks to our volunteers who continue to administer that yep. day after day, year after year. So thanks to them and let's get them their Christmas cards. Yep. Hey, this, uh, I understand that by this time music's going to be playing. Yep. The music probably will be playing over those announcements. Do you know who provides that music? Blue Dot Sessions. Blue Dot Sessions. They are found on the web at sessions.blue. Uh, we would encourage you to check them out. But even if you don't check them out, we need to express our gratitude and our appreciation because they're providing royalty-free content, which means we don't have to pay for it. But we do want to give them a shout-out and thank, uh, thank them for it. If you like the music and you have a podcast, use it on your podcast because it's, it's great and there's a lot of stuff up there. Uh, they do a lot of different genres and styles, and so... Uh, we are appreciative of them. We are North Star Community, found on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. We appreciate you listening. Um, if you've enjoyed this, um, and if you want to um, help us out, help us spread the word, then you can go into iTunes or Google Play, uh, rate us, leave us a review. Uh, that would be wonderful. It'll just help us uh, spread the word about who we are and what we do. I course, noticed that you post them up on Facebook so people can share. Yep, you can like, like those posts, share them. Um, yep, all those things are helpful to us. So, once again, we appreciate you for who you are, and we appreciate you for listening. It's been real. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.